Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Every morning the alarm goes off, we wake up, and we have a million questions swirling in our head. What are we going to eat for breakfast? Where are we going to fill up the car with gas? But behind all of that uh, is this one question. What are you going to do with your life? That's a question that we chase after many of us, uh, different seasons, different days. Uh, And so today on the Scent Life podcast, we're going to interact with uh, the author of the book, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? J.D. Greer. And we're going to talk about not only answering that question, but putting it uh, in the context of calling and really leveraging your life for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Scent Life Podcast. I'm Scott Hildreth, the director of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm here with my partner in crime, Greg Mathias. Uh, Greg, welcome. Yeah. Glad you're here today. Always glad to be alongside you. This is a great day in the Scent Life Studios in the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Seminary. And today's going to be a fun show, Greg. Yeah. We've got some really cool things we want to talk about. I'm glad that uh, folks have tuned in. We're going to talk to uh, my pastor and the author of the new book, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life, J.D. Greer. Yeah. Uh, he'll be with us in just a minute to talk about the book and okay. uh, the, the reason that he wrote this mm-hmm. book. Uh, and, and we really would encourage folks to go buy it. Yeah, so. no, definitely. It's a great book, uh, one that they will probably go back to multiple times. I think so. First thing I want to do, though, is uh, several weeks ago we introduced you to our uh, podcast engineer, Nathan. And um, Nathan periodically just jumps in and talks with us about things going on in his life as well. So, Nathan, you were telling us a story several uh, several weeks ago um, that I just want people to listen to and know uh, about what's happening in your world. So, uh, anyway, can you jump in real quick? So, just remind folks about the the ministry that you and your wife started, and let's talk a little bit about this really cool story that you've got going on. Sure. Thank you so much, my brothers. And it's always a joy and a pleasure to record with you, too. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, my wife and I uh, have started an online church uh, specifically for the persecuted church of Iran. And also we have viewers from Afghanistan and Tajikistan and all Persian-speaking people from all over the world, especially the refugees and uh, especially the isolated believers. Mm-hmm. So it was um, uh, almost two weeks ago that in one of our online sessions, um, we, had, we had a guest. Actually, my brother was our guest, and he started to pray for people, and especially the um, isolated believers in Iran, and especially for the young people in Iran that they are hopeless these right. days, and yeah. they have a lot of problems, you know, problems related to economy, mm. about their future about their calling, about a lot of big questions that they have in their minds. And suddenly he started to uh, pray for people, and um, not only Christians, but also Muslims, Mm. anybody in Iran and Afghanistan, in that part of the world, that they may thinking about taking their lives. Mm. 
And then he started, he has this gift. He prays for people and he prays with all his heart. And as soon as he started to pray uh, and he said, amen, a young lady commented this and said, I was about to take my life before this life church. And now I decided not to. And thank you so much mm-hmm. for praying for me. Praise God. And then after the session, I um, reached out to her and just let her know that we will be praying for you. Thanks so much for being with us. And I found out that uh, she was a Muslim. And the interesting part, that one of our online church members mm. introduced this online church to her. And because she knew that she was uh, going to take her life, and she almost begged her to watch this online uh, church first and then do the site. Wow. And then she literally just before taking her life, just she was like, okay, let's give it a chance or whatever. Right. Just, I, I, okay, I, I, I'll watch this. Wow. And then she watched this and my brother prayed and Holy Spirit touched her uh, heart. Amen. And not my brother, not uh, me and my wife, but Jesus saved her life. Amen. We know that we have uh, Almighty God that he can use us if we are available to him, if yeah, we want to yeah. do something for him. So mm. I just wanted to share uh, this testimony with you guys, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, what a powerful testimony in the work of God, uh, the work of Jesus in the life of this young woman uh, to not only save her, but really as she's considering those deep questions of what's she going to do with her life, uh, she was considering Uh, not seeing the next day. And so praise God for uh, your brother, uh, for the work that you all are doing uh, online to reach uh, really isolated people, struggling peoples, but answering this deep question. And so uh, today on the podcast, Scott, why don't you introduce us a little bit more to to our guest and what we're talking about today. Yeah, Nathan's story just reminds us that uh, we never know what it is that God can use us to accomplish to fulfill his mission. And today uh, we have a special guest with us, Pastor J.D. Greer, uh, who's the pastor of the Summit Church in our area. He's my pastor. It's the church that my wife and I, our family attend. But more importantly, J.D.'s written a book called What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? It's a book that really um, uh, unpacks and asks the question, uh, you've got, we all have so many days to live and so many years to live, and what are we going to spend it doing? We will ask uh, uh, Pastor J.D., this question as we talk to him, but really this is a, quite a book that uh, probes and pushes on much of the American dream. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, when we think that our, you know, our calling is to amass things to ourselves, to have a bucket list of things we want to check off as we, as we go through. But this book really challenges us to ask the deeper question, what is God's mission? And how can I be part of God's mission in the days uh, that I'm here. We'd recommend that you go out and find a copy of this book. What are you going to do with your life? Uh, it is published by B&H uh, Publisher. Uh, you can find it anywhere that you buy books. But why don't we welcome Pastor J.D. Greer uh, to talk about his book, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? Well, thank you so much. We're here today uh, with uh, J.D. Greer, my friend, and actually my pastor. And I'm glad that he is on the Scent Life podcast today. J.D. is the, uh, the, the pastor at the Summit Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. He's also the uh, three-time president of the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> Only and, like uh, it twice, though, just to be clear. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. And he really is a friend of mine and a friend of the seminary here. We're, so we're thankful that uh, that J.D. is with us today. J.D., thanks for being with us on the Scent Life podcast. 
I appreciate it. I love being here, Scott, with, with you and uh, and Greg. And I'm only disappointed you didn't call me your mentor and hero. So I told you that's required for the byline. Okay. <laughs> the, the mentor and he, the hero. J.D., you, you just wrote a book um, that, to be honest, man, as I watch the way that you talk about and promote mm -hmm. this book, you've written a lot of books, but this seems to be a book that holds a special place in your heart. It seems to be one you're especially excited about. What are you going to do with your life? So talk to us about the book and you know, wh why you wrote it. Uh, what's the purpose, the message of the book? Uh, so anyway, we, again, we're excited you're on here talking about uh, what are you going to do with your life? Yeah, I appreciate you even asking it that way because you're exactly right. Some books you write because you know there's a subject you're interested in or something you really want to communicate. And others, you feel like God has spent a lifetime writing it into you. And there are a couple of other books that I would put near that category. Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart was one of those. Gospel yeah. was one of those. But this is probably even above um, maybe those. Just I feel like when I look back from my earliest days of walking with Jesus, God has um, just continually been um, trying to open my eyes to the brevity of life, and the reality of the gospel, and the urgency of the Great Commission. Um, it's not something that I think is for a select few of us who have had some mystical Damascus Road experience. What I, I really want people to see is that um, the difference in a wasted life and a life that is lived in a wise and worthy way is a life that it leverages itself for the purposes of the Great Commission. One of the things I really try to get into in this book is, is how you know what the calling that God has given you is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's, it's the question is no longer if you're called, it's where and how. Yeah. In fact, you know, some of the people that have been the most influential in Christian history are not people okay. that went to seminary and um, had you know, roles like you or I would have, you know, you know, kind of professionals within. It's just people who who say, I want to, to leverage what God has given me to, to make a difference for the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really, you know, I, I hope I feel like God has given me a ministry with um, with ordinary people. Uh, you know, that's why I'm a pastor is sure. I mean, I love seminary students and I love ministry you know, future pastors but just ordinary people to say how can your life make it make it make a huge difference yeah. yeah so as you as you were writing the book thinking about the book uh what is it that what was there a springboard that led you just okay i'm gonna write this book at this time do you have an audience of people that you're really targeting this thing toward and what do you really hope people if they when they close the book okay now i need these people to be doing something what's the reader going to take away when they read your book yeah great question so you know, really, I, I feel like the, 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 the books that I've been most passionate about are books that are essentially written for our local church. In fact, there's an old statement that Luther, Martin Luther used to make, which is, you know, never aspire to teach the church at large, just teach your local mm -hmm. church. And then if the, the, the global church feels like you got something to say, they'll come to you. And I feel like that, that was the case with this, mm -hmm. is for years, we've been trying to motivate our college students to think about the kingdom of God first in, in how they pursued their career. And so we'll say you know, to them things like, you got to get a job somewhere. So why not get a job in a place where God is doing something? Of all the factors that go into where you pursue your career, why wouldn't the kingdom of God be the largest of those factors? And so our college pastor came to me and said, we need this. We need the, the, the spiritual like power behind this. You know, what is the, the biblical vision and the message? We, we've done something that where we, we challenge them to spend the first two years after they graduate. Um, I, I did that in the SBC with this go to years dot dot net, you know, to, to challenge students to do that. This is sort of the message, the vision that that creates that. At the same time, um, in my own uh, parents, uh, which Scott, you know, I think, you know, um, yeah. my dad, I've been thinking recently just how when he retired, he um, he instead of, you know, 
by the beach house and and hanging out for the next 20 years. He and, and my mom went to to live. Uh, he got rehired by the same company he retired from to go live overseas in the middle right. of the 1040 window on right. a secular platform and was able to bring numerous people um, to, you know, kind of the knowledge of, of who Jesus was over there. And I was able to be a part of a, an early church plant. And I thought there's a lot of people at transitional points in their life that need to ask the question, what am I doing and how do I need to recalibrate? So whether you're at the, the starting line, just graduated college, the midpoint or the finish line, I think there's, there, there's a question in here we ought to ask. There's one other factor that really was the catalytic moment, and that was um, reflecting. I, I ran across an article that talked about how many Christian leaders are there today, including like David Platt, Matt Carter, Trevin Wax, some of these guys, uh, David, uh, David Nasser, that point back to a message that John Piper preached at Passion in 2000 when we were all a bunch of college students. Yeah. Um, and it was basically called Don't Waste Your Life. And mm -hmm. it's one that I've, you know, there are very few moments I can remember the power of a moment in a sermon. And that was one of them where it was just, it thundered in my heart. You're wasting your life if you're not using it for things that are going to last forever. That's great. No, that's good. Uh, and so clearly you've hit on some of this, JD, a great little book. I can't encourage our listeners enough to grab a copy of this and really answer the question for themselves. What are you going to do with your life? Uh, but you hit on this idea of what you call the myth of calling, because uh, part of what you're saying is all Christians are called to ministry. Uh, it just depends on what it looks like. Uh, but later on, you say this, and I, you, you pick this up from one of your mentors, and I'll just read it. I want you to help us dig a little bit deeper. I love this idea uh, that one of your mentors said to you that not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it, but something does. Figure out what that is and get after it. Mm -hmm. So what, put some feet to that for our listeners. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, so there are people who um, stay, I'd say, paralyzed when it comes to serving Jesus because they don't really know what God has called them to specifically. And they feel like they sort of dabble in a lot of things and they feel guilty about everything. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I, in fact, if you'll let me keep in mind, this is the, the Southern Baptist Convention president saying this, but the, um, the, denomination that does the best job mobilizing its people for mission is not the Baptist. Uh, I thought it was the Baptist because yeah. we're the missions guys. You know, we've got awesome mission professors like, of you know, and all if you think about all the mission mobilizers are all Baptist, but, but the, the job that does the best job per capita are the Pentecostals. Hmm. And when you go back in this article I was reading that was analyzing, it said that the difference between the Baptist approach to mobilization and the Pentecostal approach is Baptist and reform people talk mainly about the weightiness of the task, the urgency, the, the lostness, 2.2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. And, and that needs to be said. It can't be said enough. The Pentecostals focus more on the gifting and the empowering that God has put in you. And this article just made the observation that, you know, evidently being gift-driven is more compelling than being guilt-driven. And, oh. when, you know, that when you're somebody who realizes God has called me to do this and I'm not responsible for everything, but I'm responsible for this. And so you want to help people discover how God, how, how God puts their name on something. And, you know, sometimes it comes through um, a moment, you know, where, uh, where, where somebody in the church speaks into your life. Maybe it's through revealed gifts. Sometimes it's just through passions mm. like God puts in your heart, like Nehemiah, God put it on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And, and you just have this growing thing. And so you want to ask the question, not what needs to be done, but what does God want me to do? And that's mm. that's the beginning of this this process to, to discover. That's great. Purpose. So in, in some that's ways, good. your book is a 
shattering the American dream myth. Mm. You know, we mm. you were taught, hey, uh, what do you want to do? You can be anything that you want to be. Just go after it. Uh, and then uh, you in the book, really, you, you refer back to the John Piper sermon, the seashore sermon. Hey, you're going to spend the rest of your life and say, Jesus, here are my seashells. But the other thing is this idea of a bucket list, right? I create in my <laughs> yeah. own life. These are all the things that I want to accomplish. And you kind of poke a hole in that bucket, if you would, um, in the book. Uh, how do you, as you're pastoring folks at, at the summit who clearly come in, college students, business professionals with their own bucket list, how do we explain to people that, uh, you know, we don't want to stand before Jesus with a bucket that's empty, but we got other things going on. So how do you talk right. about bucket list and the American dream and how does that fit with God's mission? Yeah, even if you don't call it a bucket list, most of us just live with that mindset that you got, you know, YOLO, right? You, yeah. You've seen that? You only live once. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, and so I've got to, whatever I don't experience now, I, I don't ever get a chance to experience. And so mm -hmm. bucket list, the concept is, what are you going to put in that bucket before you kick the bucket? You know, what, what do you got to do? But it's just good theology. You got to meet that with good theology as in all things. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about heaven um, the way we heard about it in Sunday school or the way we imagined in Sunday school with a bunch of, you know, half naked babies and diapers sitting on, you know, colorless clouds with Nerf bow and arrow, you know, playing the harp. Um, it talks about it as a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. Uh -huh. And C.S. Lewis, N.T. Wright, one of the things they pointed out that is that what that means is that there's a better version of whatever we love down here. We, mm. there's a better version up there. Mm. And that means that there's literally nothing that I will not experience here that I, I won't get a, uh, that I will experience here that I, I will get a better version, a more full version of. Lewis used to talk about, you know, daydreaming about what the heavenly London would look like. Oh. I've been to the, the to the cursed Hawaii. What's the real Hawaii you know, going to be like? <laughs> um, I don't need to have a list of things on a bucket list because YOLO isn't true. YALF is true. You actually live forever. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably a better acronym. Hmm. And if that's true, then maybe I should put on my bucket list the one thing that I know that I cannot do in eternity. And that is bring other people to faith in Jesus, because I can't do that in eternity. I, I can only do that now. And so I, I can suspend a lot of these earthly experiences and just say, I'll wait for the real version of that, because right now I need to bring people to Jesus. That's great. No, that's good. All right. So you make some pretty bold statements here, inspiring statements, but some bold statements throughout the book. And one of these, uh, you're talking through kind of the parable of the talents uh, and what Jesus does with that. And, and you go on to say, uh, that according to Jesus, failing to risk our lives to their fullest potential for his kingdom is just as wicked in God's eyes as the most egregious violations of his laws. So are you telling people listening that if they're not living risky lives for the kingdom, then they're falling into sin? What are you, what are you trying to communicate there? I hate to say yes, but that's exactly what <laughs> okay. I'm trying to say. Okay, all right. No, that's good. <laughs> um, you know, and it was sort of a, a kind of a jaw dropping moment for me even a few years ago preaching through that passage because I was arrested by the word um, wicked in there. I'd always known, you know, hey, we need to give our lives to Jesus, but the, the harshness mm. that Jesus gives, the master gives to this servant, and I started to ask myself, like, what wicked thing had this guy done? Wow. He, he didn't, like, steal the money. He didn't blow it on prostitutes and drugs. Right. He just buried it. Mm. He just wow. didn't invest it. And Jesus's verdict was wicked. And so the question I think that it, you know, it begs to be asked is, are there a lot of churches and believers who are not disobeying the Ten Commandments, so to speak, and are active in church and are good people, but, but God's verdict on them is wicked because they haven't taken the 
talents, you know, the, the, yeah. the resources that God has given them and invested them for the kingdom. Yeah. And I think the answer you have to come up with is, is absolutely. Yeah. Wow. No, that's uh, that's sobering. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's good. So, Jenny, I've said this before. I'll say it on the podcast. You, and this is not to, to make you feel better, but you really are one of the best pastoral preachers that I've ever heard mm-hmm. because you preach to a congregation of people, you know the people, and really just give hands-on, practical, biblical um, guidance on a weekly basis. Even though I was you preaching conferences and you preach to big crowds, you know, as, as somebody who hears you regularly, I just want to mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Appreciate you saying that. And so imagine for a moment, or not imagine, but how do you practically help the people in our church, college students and all, really understand so what are you going to do with your life and they say i want to leverage it for the kingdom now how do i do that what do i do how do i find this thing that has my name on it how do i how do i find uh what god's asking me to do i don't want to get to the end of my life and have fallen short of the thing that god really has for me how how do we counsel folks in a really um really leveraging their life for the mission of god yeah, I think one of the stories I tell in there, one of the chapters analyzes the life of Stephen. And I think there's actually some some real wisdom to be gleaned from Acts 7 in the Bible where you see the story of Stephen. Because Stephen uh, in the New Testament has, he, his story occurs at a pivotal time in church history when the gospel goes from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And how does Stephen start? Well, he starts by serving his local church and mm-hmm. serving people in the community in the name of Christ. Yeah. Um, He's sharing Christ with them. We know that because a lot of Jewish priests are getting saved. So it's just one-on-one. It's not dramatic. It's not flashy. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen is not really that impressive of a guy mm-hmm. before Act 6. because I mean, he's not elected like, you know, um, apostle in training, or he, he's not elected like group president or, you know, even teacher. He's just a, a guy who he's, he's meals on wheels in the early church. Right. Um, taking stuff to widows. But, you know, he does it so well and so faithfully and with such clear gospel witness that God puts him in places where he's going to change mm-hmm. history. And so, you know, I think when you apply that to our context, obviously it means making sure the people in your life know about Jesus, um, where are places that you are serving people in Jesus's name. Um, I think you ought to be, um, you know, exploring, especially in our globalized world, what's it like to get overseas and, and see some of the needs there. It's small acts of faithfulness that God then uses to open up big doors of opportunity. And it yeah. might be that you, nobody ever hears about you. You know, that's not the, the standard of of success, but um, I, I think that's the path that God leads us down. And that's consistent whether you're talking about Stephen, Paul, they all started with the people in their lives, and then just God revealed these gifts as they kept going. Yeah, God good. steers moving ships. Uh, that's a great statement. Yeah. yeah. And so, J.D., how would, you, how would you come alongside somebody that says, look, I've asked this question, what, how am I going to leverage my life? Uh, and they decide... I, I want to invest deeply in the kingdom, no matter what that means, but it might take them on a different path than maybe their college degree uh, mm-hmm. or, or their business training. And so they're having that conversation with mom and dad, maybe the fiance, uh, they're having a conversation with the fiance. Uh, hey, you thought we were going to go down this one path. I want to go invest it uh, for King Jesus. And that mm-hmm. means something really different. Maybe I make less money. Maybe it mm-hmm. looks less safe, whatever it is. What if they don't have a supportive family? Uh, mm-hmm. What if that means that fiance says, "I don't know that I signed up for this"? How would you How would you talk to them? That's a tough question, um, Greg, because it you know it's easy to give an answer, a theoretical answer, uh-huh. but 
you know, being a pastor who's walked with people through yeah. this very painful thing. I know it's not a light, a light thing. Um, my own, you know, story, and this is actually recount this in the book. Um, my parents were very godly and mm-hmm. some of the godliest people I know, but I was still afraid when I started to sense that, that God was turning me away from a career in law, which they'd sacrificed and invested in heavily to get me there mm-hmm. and turning away from that and toward basically, I thought I was going to live in Southeast Asia and yeah. tell people about Jesus and villages and huts out there. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was sharing this with them, I, I, I was prepared for them mm-hmm. to just, you know, no, mm-hmm. we've invested too much. And I, I should have known better just, but I don't know, you know, fear has its own mind sometimes, but right. um, you know, I remember my, my mom, um, I remember looking at her and saying, you know, I, I know that you've always wanted me to live close to you to raise whatever grandchildren I have one day close to you, but I feel like God has called me to, mm. to, to go create other grandchildren for, uh, for him. Yeah. And we can have our time in eternity. If that's going to be our family time for right now, we've got to leverage a great leverage it for the great commission. I, I think you got to now. Thankfully my mom responded in a, just an incredible way and was very supportive, but I'd already kind of resolved like, um, you know, my mom and dad aren't going to be the ones waiting around the throne to receive me into heaven. It's going to be Jesus. And mm. as loyal as I am to them, I've got to honor him. Honoring your father and mother does not mean disobeying Jesus. Mm. Um, in fact, the way that you honor your father and mother is by disobeying them and obeying Jesus because you're obeying the authority figure that they were supposed to represent for a brief time in your life. Mm. And so, um, you know, you, you may have to honor them by saying, I've got to honor the one that you represented to me. And you know, he said it, right? He said, if you don't leave father and mother and houses and lands, and if, if I don't matter more to you than all those things, you can't be my disciple. And yeah. so you've got to come to a place where your obedience to him um, trumps even your yeah. your loyalty to them. Wow, that's great. But it's not easy. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Not. So Jay, let's put the shoe on the other foot then. So you have children mm-hmm. and you and Veronica are raising your children with don't waste your life uh mentality what are you going to do with your life as a vision how talk to parents now who may be listening to our podcast how do we raise our children raise our grandchildren in such a way that they embrace this Mm. vision for life Mm. as opposed to just being consumed by whatever it else it is that our culture is going to grab with them how do we raise them that way then at some point get the courage to turn them loose and really encourage them to go do this thing. Cause that's two, right. Two points. It's one thing to tell my four five or six year old or fifth, six or seventh grade, Hey, you can go change the world until they come home and say, okay, I'm leaving. Right. So yeah. how, do you, how do we, how do we raise them? And then how do we let them go? Yeah. <laughs> um, ironically enough, I think the sacrifice that is more difficult is not the one who leaves and obeys. It's the one, the parent, I think usually, mm. I feel like that's a more painful one. It's yeah. good. Um, yeah. And you know, the only thing that I would say maybe to myself, you know, Psalm 127 mm-hmm. says that children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Yep. And um, I gave my mom back in the, that story I was telling you a moment ago, I gave her a, a, a letter that Jim Elliott, the missionary who died in Ecuador in the 1950s, that he gave to his parents that just said, what are arrows for? Mm-hmm. You know, arrows, you're supposed to pull them back in the bowstring of faith and launch them deep into the heart of the enemy. Mm. Um, you know, arrows are not art. You don't put mm. them in your house and, and they don't, you know, adorn your house. And so kids are not there to adorn your life and complete it. They're there to, for you to send them like arrows into the battle, into the mm. future, into the unreached places. And so 
that's going to be painful, especially if it means that there's some strain and some distance in, in family relations. But um, it's something, again, that you make up for um, a bazillion times in eternity. Uh, sure. We've only got one life to live. We'll soon mm. be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And anything we, we, we use as an excuse to hold on to earthly things becomes something that we then use to forfeit eternal things. Mm. And it's usually good things. It's good things that keep us from, yeah. from investing our lives. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good things that make us waste them. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, in some ways, it's like you, we, we're, again, I'd go back to the idea that the book almost is a, you're blowing up the American dream, right? Yeah. My, my life is my own to spend it the way I want to spend it. My children are mine to protect, to keep, because maybe they bear my reputation as they go out and do some stuff. And so in many ways, this is a real countercultural book. And, yeah. you know, I recommend all of our listeners go out and find and buy a copy um, it just and then buy a bunch of copies, give them away because it really, I think, is a life, a life philosophy, life transforming right. way of thinking yeah. about about going at God's mission as part of I would your- love, yeah, if you let me to speak for a moment yep. on that, I'd, I'd love the idea that whether it's this book or not, I'd love for every, so let's just, mm-hmm. since I'm a Southern Baptist and you guys are Great Commission Baptist and you guys sure. are, let's just, if every Southern Baptist graduating senior in high school or college were to consider this question. That's good, yeah. You know, whether they use this book or not, but consider this question, it could, it could really transform our world. Yeah. Hundred percent. No, I agree. Uh, And and I would say this too. uh, You know, aside from buying this book and asking this question, this isn't a one-time question. Uh, What are you going to do with your life? I think it's probably one we need to revisit uh, at different points and moments in our life. And so, kind of for our listeners, we're going to encourage them and assume they're going to get this book, Uh, whether they're a college student, maybe even a young professional just starting in their career. What would you say outside of those things? What would be maybe a next step or two, if they really want to put feet to this question, what, what would you encourage them to do? Yeah, well, there's a few websites that you, that you could access that would like help the conversation a little bit. Um, go to years.net. I've already brought that one, especially if you're entering a transition point. Um, I mean, th- there, are, there are churches being planted in strategic cities around the world, and go to years.net is a way of linking you to those things. That would be a, a, you know, a way to, to do it. Um, I, you know, going on a mission trip. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, just because it, it opens your eyes to not only the world, but also spiritual gifts and opportunities in you. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I'd say that if you're not a part of a good local church that takes mission trips and teaches you to evangelize in your community, then find a different one yeah. right? because it's too short to waste it on a church that's not doing anything. That's a country yeah. club. No, that's yeah. great. No, JD, thanks so much for being with yeah. us. Jay, we've had JD Greer. Pastor of the Summit mm-hmm. Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, with us today, the author of the new book, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? And uh, J.D., appreciate you joining yeah, us today. Yeah, yeah man, it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Great to be with thank you guys. Again, we want to welcome Pastor J.D. and thank him for being with us today. We would encourage every person listening to go find a copy, pick up a copy of the book, What Are You Going yeah. to Do With Your Life? You can pick it up anywhere, Amazon.com, B&H Publishing, uh, pick it up anywhere that you normally buy books and you would be, uh, be encouraged Uh, by reading this and the Lord would challenge uh, your life as you invest it in uh, his kingdom and in his mission. Why don't we pray together for those? And Greg, why don't we pray for, not just for Pastor JD uh, and his ministry, but why don't don't we pray uh, for folks who are listening who may be asking the question, what can I do with my life? A time to follow God's will, find God's Mm -hmm. will, know God's will. Would you pray for our listeners and pray for Pastor JD? Yeah, let's pray. 
Father God, we do come before you and we give you praise and thanks for who you are and that you uh, give us a call, a challenge, and even a responsibility uh, to live our lives, to leverage our lives on behalf of the Great Commission, no matter where we find ourselves. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, Pastor J.D. Uh, thank you for his, his vision, uh, his passion for you and for the Great Commission. We continue to pray for him. Uh, and the Summit Church as well. Uh, but Lord, we do pray for all of those listening even now, those that are asking the question, uh, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, how can I make my life count even more uh, for the kingdom? So we pray right now that through your word uh, and through your spirit and through the community of believers around them, that they would uh, find uh, tangible ways uh, to begin to answer that question of, uh, how they're going to leverage their life for the Great Commission. So God, uh, give grace, give wisdom, uh, and Lord, for those right now struggling with that question, uh, I do pray that they have been encouraged today and that they would know uh, that they can reach out. Lord God, reach out to their pastors, reach out to those in their home groups and small groups, uh, but Lord, do that as they are praying and seeking you uh, through your word. And so Lord, would all of us answer the question, what are we going to do with our life? And will we do that to the glory of King Jesus? In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Scent Life. We appreciate you joining us each week. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe uh, to this podcast so you can get uh, our episodes each week uh, as they come in. Also, feel free to pass this on to others. Uh, maybe it would be a blessing and encouragement to them. Thanks for tuning in to The Scent Life this week.